The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Wing Chun Illustrated is the premier publication for Wing Chun. Published six times a year, Wing Chun Illustrated is a perfect bound, full-color, glossy publication. Each 60-page issue comes packed with in-depth content and feature stories by and about the world's greatest exponents of Wing Chun, regardless of lineage or style. Wing Chun Illustrated has featured people like Imin Bostepe, Philip Bayer, Yip Chun, Gary Lam, Donald Mack, Samuel Kwok, David Peterson, Chan Chi Man, Mark Phillips, Wan Kam Leung, Sam Lau, Robert Chu, Sifu Sergio, Victor Ken, and many, many more. There are two ways you can enjoy this fantastic publication. Go to wingchunillustrated.com and order the magazine as a print-on-demand. The print quality is simply amazing. Or download the Magster app and get a subscription. That's Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. This way, when the new issue hits the stands, you'll automatically receive it as a download onto your smart device for offline reading. In fact, with your new Magster account, you can access the magazine on multiple devices, iOS, Android, Kindle Fire, and web browser. To make the deal even sweeter, listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast can use the coupon code DUDES to get a six-month complimentary digital subscription. That coupon code is DUDES, typed in all capital letters. Go to Magster, again M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, to register, add the six-month subscription to the cart, and apply the coupon code at checkout. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Um, we had a lot of fun, as always. This week here, I finally lay it out. Who was and who was not Bruce Lee's Sifu. Enough of the bullshit. Now sit back and enjoy. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey, dude, how are you? Doing good, man. It looks like we're still keeping up with our promise to keep the episodes coming. Well, I'm sure it'll end with this week. I mean, I, <laughs> we only have so many weeks in a row that we can do this shit without killing each other. <laughs> That's right. You know, we, we we get on a roll and then we're off the air for like six months or something <laughs> like that. Everyone gets upset. Although, hey, we, you know, I was worried last week when we were talking about all the Conor McGregor stuff that people weren't going to. You know, I always worry about our our fan base of Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do people. But we actually got some positive feedback online from people who are happy that we talked about the MMA thing. Yeah, I think we have to find a good balance with that. Yeah. You know, I know we've spoken a little bit about um, doing a separate podcast every once in a while, just straight MMA, just talking about the the, the fight game a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, and it may be something we have to look into, and we'll see. Um, And also, you know what I want to do? I think it's time we put another one of those polls out there for people to uh, give us some opinions on things, you know? Because maybe, maybe... Maybe a good portion of the audience is looking for some uh, MMA content because the amount of feedback we're getting on that, I, you know, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, maybe in, in the earlier days of mm. MMA, there was a lot of pushback from the traditional martial arts community. But I think now it's been around so much. I mean, hey, there are a lot of people who are into MMA who uh, – are not actually into any martial arts, but they're also like MMA fans, right? So I think it goes to reason that even Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do people might also be in, into MMA these days. So, you know, we might be uh, underestimating our audience a little bit too. I mean, we certainly know that there's a faction that hates it. Right. Um, but, you know, you can't you can't please everyone, and, I suppose. And they're vocal. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, again, as always, there's some, some turmoil going on in the MMA world, right? You were telling me, um, in the next well, UFC, it, there were like a bunch of. I, I think new. I think first of all, I think the UFC in New York is just cursed. It just seems like there's always a problem with the new the UFC in New York cards. I mean, Connor comes to Brooklyn and fucking gets locked up. It's just <laughs> like everything like bad that's happening in the UFC happens in New York. Yes. And um, so the UFC 230, which was supposed to be headlined by uh, Cormier versus Lewis, Diaz versus Poirier, and Weidman versus Rockhold, of the three headline fights. Nate Diaz versus Poirier is now off the card because Poirier got hurt, and I think and I think Diaz had the best line in the world. Nate Diaz said that uh, when when told that uh, Poirier can't fight, he said, "Tell Poirier he ain't he ain't of this life." <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Such a Nate Diaz thing to say. I mean, because he just thinks he's a gangbanger, you know? It's just so amazing. And then they had the Chris Weidman versus Luke Rockhold fight, which I was dying to see. Yeah, me too. 
Rockhold's hurt, so he 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 pulled out. Wow. So now only the Cormier versus Lewis fight to go. But they were saying that they're going to take uh, Weidman is going to fight uh, Jacare Souza, who already had a fight planned for that card. He's supposed to fight David Branch. Yeah. Although I think I think Weidman Jacare is a more exciting fight. I mean, David Branch is really good, but he's not as he's not as established, obviously, as, as Jacare or Weidman. I think, uh, and I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm actually surprised that. Did, did did they fight yet? Uh, I'm like I'm I'm surprised that they have not. If they haven't fought, I'm surprised that they they wouldn't have fought already because they've both been top of the food chain in that middleweight division for a while. Um, yeah, I I haven't I didn't look it up. I have to look that up. Yeah. Um, no, I think that'll be a great fight. I mean, of course, you I. You know what? I, we have our producer on hand here. Let me ask my producer to. Uh, <laughs> he's hey, like hey, on the Joe Rogan podcast. Exactly. He's out with Jamie. <laughs> right. Hey, producer John. Well, well, we're recording. Can you look to see if Jacare Souza and Chris Weidman had already fought? Yeah. All right, we have John looking that up. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if, if, if um, I mean, I suppose it's possible that they haven't fought already for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a more exciting fight. But I really wanted to see the rematch between uh, uh, Rockhold and uh, Weidman because, uh, I mean, that you know, Rockhold took the belt from Weidman. And, um, right. you know, Weidman was on a little bit of a streak after he had beat Anderson Silva twice. And then he also beat uh, Leota Machida, I think, um, and defended the belt. And then that fight was amazing. Um, I remember their first fight was really incredible. So, of course, definitely want to see that uh, rematch. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. That's going to be good. Um, and then I really am looking forward to the Cormier-Lewis fight. Yes. I, saw, I saw Cormier tweet out today, I think it was this morning, that... Um, Derek Lewis had tweeted that Cormier wasn't taking him serious. Uh-huh. And, and, and Cormier was like, of course I'm taking you serious. And he kind of listed, like, you know, Derek Lewis's uh, like accomplishments. I saw, that, I saw that, too. I don't think Daniel Cormier ever goes <laughs> without properly training, you know? I think that he's an Olympic – he's a former Olympian. You know, he's not – I don't think he – you can't take anyone light – in MMA, because anybody can have a good night and anyone can have an off night, so you always got to come prepared. And they have a great. They have, they saw one press conference of the two of them together, and they, have a, they work well. They work well off each other. Like they, they basically someone said like you know what makes them want to fight each other, and they had a big disagreement over Popeye's chicken. <laughs> that, <laughs> Derek That's Lewis great. said that Comey didn't show proper respect to, to Popeye's chicken, <laughs> and. Uh, but uh, it, it looks pretty good. It's, it's, it looks like that should be a good fight. And I really think, I mean, of course, Derek Lewis hits like a Mack truck. He, yes. He puts hands on Cormier with a solid shot, fights over. Right. Anybody that saw the last Derek Lewis fight knows that. But, I mean, Cormier can, can take it hard. And yeah, I mean, got, R- Rumble Johnson was the same way. He beat Rumble Johnson twice. He was right. the same and scary Cormier's puncher. got skill. So, yes. I mean, given, given the... Uh, if he can, if Cormier can take control of the fight, he's gonna fuck up Lewis always to Sunday. It's just absolutely. I've been a fan of Cormier since he was uh, still in Strike Force. Um, I I remember I I was watching some random Strike Force uh, was on TV and it happened to be Cormier versus uh, Josh Barnett. And I knew who Josh Barnett was because he had been fighting in Japan for a number of years, but I had never even heard of Daniel Cormier. And I think it was already a title shot. I think it was heavyweight already. And um, I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, well, who's this guy? I'd never even heard of him. And he like looked, uh, he looked a little undersized for a heavyweight. And the clinic he put on Josh Barnett, who's like one of the best right, heavyweights right, to right. ever fight. He like, I think he literally picked up Josh Barnett at some point and just threw him. And I was like, holy crap! And since that moment. I was a huge Cormier fan, and then when he went over to UFC, you know, uh, for some reason, like, a lot of the fans, they, they just didn't take to him. But I think Cormier's great. I think he's a great champion. I think he's a really good guy. I like him a lot. Um, I don't necessarily agree with him when he defends Khabib, but Khabib is his teammate. Of course he's going right, to defend exactly him, right? right? But literally in every other aspect, I think Cormier has been nothing but a solid champ. And you look at them, and it's like, okay, the heavier weights, they don't have the build of, like, the fly, you know, they're not cut up, sure, they're sure, not right. muscular, right? But when you look at him, yeah, he's a big dude, he's a strong dude, but he's usually undersized, even at light heavyweight, and he never really has what you would consider, like, an impressive 
physique. I mean, I've actually stood quite close to Cormier once. I went to a UFC in Jersey, and he kind of walked by me, and I'm like, oh, he's a big dude, you know? I mean, it's like when you see him, you go like, all right. But when you see him in the cage next to other big dudes who also, like, are, you know, well-trained, you go – he kind of does look like he sits around eating like, you know, fast food and, and, you know, but then you see him fight and you see his ability to transition between striking and wrestling and controlling. And the only person he really ever struggled against was John Jones. You know, I mean, he would have moments of adversity against other guys, moments against Stipe, moments against uh, Rumble Johnson, but he always, always overcame that. But, um, I mean, he's incredible. You would look at, you would never think that he's like as skilled as he is. Daniel Cormier is really one of the best champions ever, I think, in MMA. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. By the way, producer John said that uh, Suzer and Weidman have never fought. Wow. So that's going to be a great one. So I so think that's, that's far be a good more fight, interesting yeah. than, than Souza and, and, uh, and, 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 and David Branch, even though, you know, David Branch is from New York, from the Henzo Gracie Academy. And, Really, really good guy. Um, you know, he deserves a good fight too. But I mean, right? You know, I'm what, saying what, that, that's what the first thing I thought of when I saw that. I'm like, now David Branch gets screwed. I mean, you know. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I'm even even if even if the UFC decides to pay him what his you know fight purse would have been for right. fighting on the card. Yeah. He he misses out on chance of fight of the night and any, all the bonuses. Sure. And, sure. Plus all the training right. that all the training that went in and all the preparation. Right, exactly right. It's it, yeah. it's kind of sucks. It sucks, you know, and that's not fair. By the way, speaking of Cormier, you know, I just um, uh, I'm was finishing the script for my new Cell book. I'm doing like a, all the fine tuning before it goes to design, and I I have one section where I talk a little bit about Cell theory, and I I rant a little bit in it because as you know, one of the big kind of uh, fads right now within Wing Chun is. Mm-hmm internal Wing Chun you know it's like uh like everything you go through these kind of swings and we've talked about it before on the show but um you know internal Wing Chun is essentially uh taking um now mind you the the argument about whether Wing Chun is internal or external or whatever this is a this is an interesting argument and they're definitely side there's definitely um something to be said on both sides of the argument I'm a bit uh I, I kind of float somewhere in the middle. I think Wing Chun definitely has some internal aspects. But the reason why I don't kind of jump in fully into the internal camp is, one, uh, most of those guys are kind of in a scene that, that I don't relate to. Like, they don't have the same conversations. They're talking about chi and alignments <clears throat> and weird things. And I'm like, okay, if the guy comes with a right hook and this, like, how am I going to stick and not get hit? Like, I have right. different conversations than the internal guys who are talking about the point on their foot and what, you know, time period of day they're doing this or whatever. But uh, for um, in broad strokes, for people who may not be familiar – Internal Wing Chun, as it's mostly propagated by a lot of Wing Chun people now who are kind of adopting it, is borrowing a lot of ideas from Tai Chi, um, talking about rooting the stance rather than... Wing Chun is always like, if you try to push us, we're going to move, turn, shift, take different angles. But now there's this whole thing like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to glue our feet to the floor. And when somebody pushes us, we want to, you know, absorb that into the ground using rooting and special this and special that, right? And I go, well, there's certainly a a lot of skills to be cultivated there. But I just I remember while I was writing it, I go, the problem is this. If you if you really look at Wing Chun as a style that was developed for smaller people to be able to use against somebody stronger, you can withstand somebody trying to push you uh, to a certain degree. Like if someone's on your arms trying to push you and you have a good stance and you know how to, you know, deflect the force, you can actually do some pretty impressive demonstrations where somebody bigger than you is trying to push you. Everybody who's done Kung Fu for a while can do these demonstrations. The problem is when it's under, when it's under pressure, when it's under speed, and when the guy doesn't give a shit about putting his hands on you in a Wing Chun way, and he just straight grabs your throat and grabs your arm and just, you know, football charges you, right? And, and my issue with a lot of the internal guys is that they have so made a virtue of standing in the same place and absorbing power from being and not being able to be pushed or knocked over that I think that they sometimes forget about things like physics, okay? Because I don't care how well you can absorb someone's push in your stance. There is always a threshold. You can withstand pushes maybe from someone your own size and maybe somebody bigger and maybe somebody much bigger provided they push you in a certain way. 
But when the person doesn't care about holding your arms or pushing you here or pushing you there and they have enough size, they're going to launch you. And while I'm writing this, I'm saying, you know, it's dangerous to make a virtue out of standing still when you have to deal with somebody who's trying to knock you out, push you over and hurt you. Mobility and movement is super important. But part of the the, the, the unfortunate side effect is of internal Wing Chun is making a virtue of not moving, of standing in the same place and absorbing stuff. So I, I made the example of, do you remember, and we had talked about it before, when Cormier beat Stipe and Brock Lesnar came into the octagon. Mm-hmm. And do you remember Brock Lesnar, you know, goes up to, to, to Daniel, starts talking some smack and gave him a very light push. And you just saw he didn't knock Daniel Cormier down, but you saw when Brock Lesnar gives another heavyweight a light push, that person moves. Right. And exactly in that moment when I saw that, I just imagined some poor Wing Chun person who really believes that because he can stop a push from his classmates in Wing Chun training, that somehow somebody Brock Lesnar size would be unable to move them if they just got into their right internal optimized Wing Chun stance. And I just imagine like some poor um, Wing Chun person with a lot of faith. Like the thing is they really believe it, but they just don't know. And just imagining this Wing Chun person being pushed literally into space over the octagon wall into right. the audience because he believed it. And just thinking like, you know, if if somebody who has the mass of Cormier cannot even like easily stand his ground on a push against Brock Lesnar, making a virtue of standing your ground against a bigger, stronger person who's pushing you, I don't think is the best fighting tactic in the world. I don't care how well it comes off in class. We're talking about somebody who just goons you like a football player. Good luck with that. Right. You know? I mean, the whole politric Wing Chun is just ridiculous. And I'm sorry if I upset anybody in the internal community. I'm not really sorry. But it's <laughs> like, I mean, and, and I don't know internal Wing Chun. So you can just literally shut, shut the podcast off if you don't want to hear me. But all this politric bullshit of like, oh, you can't push me if I stand on one leg. Listen, my, my Sifu... In uh, Steve Golden, you could do that whole thing of standing on one leg. And, and yes. I remember like saying it was really, you know, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, it's really cool. And he said, yeah, it is cool, but it's tough to get people to push you this way. Like, you know. <laughs> it's absolutely true. <laughs> right. You know, it's like he goes, most people just want to punch you in the fucking face. And, and, and that seems to be the problem is, is he, they get caught up. People get caught up in this, like, how can I perfect this one thing? Yes. And they forget about everything else. You know what I mean? It's like, and and the one thing may be important. I'm not saying like, you know, punching hard, kicking hard, mobility, uh, trapping. Stance, yes. Whatever the the one thing you get caught up in, that's fine. You can get caught up in that, but realize that by getting, by getting zoned in and caught up on that, caught up on one thing, you're kind of like giving up everything else. Right. And, 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 and like, and when it gets to something like, um, rooting and a lack of mobility and like oh someone can't push me over well you know what most people aren't going to push you most people are going to punch you in your face right and even (laughs) and and even my issue with most of those demonstrations because i've i've had all sorts of high level tai chi people all these kind of guys who and of course they know i'm a wing chun guy so they always want to like impress me with with something or whatever and it's always something like this okay i want you to put your hands here on me and try to knock me over Right. And that's and 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 people that's Who gives the par- a shit? That's the parlor trick. Right. They're telling you where to put your arms on them and oftentimes they're telling you how to stand. All right. Uh you know, stand in a staggered stance. Stand this way, stand this way. And oftentimes that may not be the way that you would normally stand if you were doing your own art or if you were just fighting this person, you would just do whatever the hell you would do, right? You wouldn't like be standing or restricting yourself to standing in one stance, putting your the back of your hand on the back of their wrist and pushing their elbow in this direction. So it's always like provided they can control the circumstances, they can get you to do this thing the way they want you to do it. Then suddenly they can show you stuff. And, and like Sean said, that thing that they're showing you is also a legitimate skill. That is definitely something. I mean, they, they can show you like how to redirect power or whatever, but it's within the narrow context 
of that specific thing happening. When you change variables or when variables are unpredictable, this is the test to see whether you have something that is in fact going to work on the street or whether you are kind of like a one trick pony, right? And and like exactly you said, Steve right. Golden can do it. I also like, I, I will impress students. Like, you know, I do the whole stand on one leg and they push my arm and can't knock me over and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, wow. And you have a tremendous power when you do that. You can say, yeah, this is because I'm rooting my chi. Or I could say, actually, this is a trick. I can show you how to do it. And and so many Chinese hucksters, Chinese martial arts practitioners, I should say, um, play off right. these things and, and do all, you know, like like even some famous Wing Chun Sifus used to do this whole walking on eggs thing back in the 80s. Oh, like so lightness kung fu as if somehow the laws of physics um, don't apply, like as if the, somehow they actually weigh less on those eggs. And, and, you know, if you have a bunch of eggs spread out in a carton and, and you, you know, very carefully spread your weight out on them, anybody can do it. You want to, you want to impress me stand on one egg. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, you ever see Eddie Murphy delirious, you know? He goes yeah. like he was talking about how much flack he was getting by making fun of Stevie Wonder because Stevie Wonder had such rabid fans. And then he's like, you know, Stevie, you're a musical genius and all, you know, but that don't impress me. You want to impress me? Take the wheel of this car. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I always say that, like when people are like, yeah, the Sifu can walk on on like, you know, a carton of eggs. I go, yeah. Can he walk on one? Or when people can lay right. on a bed of nails, I go, that's amazing. Can he lay, lay on, on one? one? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, politics had, and and politics have been around forever. I mean, sure. I remember as a kid, being at a block party at my uh, on my grandmother's block, and the local karate school coming and doing all these politics. The guy laying down on a series of like samurai swords while they broke cinder blocks on his chest and right. all this other stuff. Yeah, and I remember I remember my uncle saying like, "Take all the swords away and just leave one." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because it was like yeah. ten swords in a row. Yeah, it always it always takes somebody who has no belief in martial arts to totally look at the flaw of all of those. Right, things, right? exactly. You know, or like just... you know when you break, uh, especially when you break cinder blocks. You know, one of the old tricks. And by the way, I'm not saying that breaking cinder blocks or slabs of concrete is easy. For sure, there are certain breaks and certain ways of breaking these that require a lot of skill and a lot of power. I mean, when you see dudes breaking ice with their forearms and stuff, I mean, those are not weak dudes, you know? Like, right, right, like I, I want to get that straight. It, it's just a matter of whether th the belief is that that skill somehow translates into that much damage being done to the inside of a human being, which we know is not the case because oftentimes when you get hit – you can also move back, which is also going to absorb a lot of the, the, the power, right? But everyone right. knows that one of the tricks about breaking multiple slabs of ice or concrete or whatever is, is having a little bit of space in between, space. right? Because Right, they and, put all the little spacers going upside down. Yeah, the and thing. the thing is called spacers. And I'll never forget when I was like 18, I was uh, I was living in Seattle at the time, and, and there was a, a local movie theater that was showing Enter the Dragon at Midnight. Like, right. Seattle back in the days had a very cool film scene, and they would, like, every weekend they would often show old films for, like, you could go for five bucks and get a double feature with, like, a sure. popcorn, right? And oftentimes they would show, like, Enter the Dragon, right, or right, something right, like right. this. Yeah, we would absolutely. go and watch Enter the Dragon at midnight. And I remember, like, the audience would be packed. We we were 18, so we were shitheads. We would all dress up. we go to secondhand shops and buy, like, 70s clothes and 70s, like, secondhand leather jackets and show up to Enter the Dragon all dressed like like a bunch of 70s dudes, right? Okay, and so sorry, just let's put a pin in that and remind me. We're going to mention that in a second. <laughs> and so I remember... Remember, like sitting there watching Enter the Dragon for the upteenth time, but on the big screen, it's always more impressive. And you know, there's the scene where Bruce is being um, debriefed by uh, Braithwaite about the mission on Hans right, Island, right, right? Right, right? And then he's showing him the videos of O'Hara, who's played by Bob Wall, and he's like, you know, this is Han's bodyguard, and these are all real bricks and boards, nothing phony about any of it, right? And then, like, and there's the scene where they have like the slabs and like they light it on fire. And then Bob Wall, you know, I don't know, like karate chops it or kicks yeah. it or whatever. And I just remember like when they lit it on fire and then Bob Wall goes to chop it, some dude in the audience just yelled, spacers. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was so I just laughed out loud because only martial art geeks would understand that, right? Like that would like impress sure. normal people, but martial arts, you would impress me, no spaces, right? And and I thought it was funny. Also, did you ever see Kentucky Fried Movie? 
You know, I did many years ago. Kentucky Fried Movie. I don't had remember an any of it. Had an Enter the Dragon spoof in the middle right. of it called Fistful of Yen, and I just remember they spoofed Han, who his name was Klon, right? Klon's right, bodyguard, right. and he goes like, you know, this is this is Klon's bodyguard. He is tough and ruthless and this is clown's bartender he's rough and toothless right <laughs> I, just, I always remember that you know tough and ruthless rough and toothless right but uh yeah you said you were going to put a pin in the 70s thing oh yeah no i just um i was on instagram the other day mm-hmm. and um there's this dude i follow on instagram and he was writing a book and he was he posted some pictures of them like i guess doing some shoots for their book mm-hmm. and he was wearing like a red dress and I was going to say, I do a podcast with that motherfucker. And I didn't know he was, that he was like, you know, transitioning. So when did you start wearing red dresses? (laughs) When did I start wearing dresses? (laughs) So yeah, I've also, I've also, it was very, it was very Sam Kwok of you. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, except except that. All right, uh, I, I've I've totally made fun of people for wearing lids, especially white dudes, right? Right, and, and so, you're about as white as you can get. I'm about as white as they get, right? Especially so, that stomach um, tattoo you for, got going on. Um, we're doing uh, we're doing a calendar, and uh, we want to oh, have a mix Lord. of like shots that look somewhat more traditional and some a little mm. bit more uh, modern, and. I, you know, I like Chinese clothing. I think Chinese clothing, there's an aesthetic to it when when it's done well. And I don't like kind of generic looking Chinese stuff like black. Like, you know, the you know, the Kung Fu movie extra, the black jacket with the white frog buttons, sure. like the Chinatown sheet, like that kind of stuff is like, mm, if you're going to wear something, you should be nice. And I have uh, the Chang Sam, the long one, right? The, 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 the affectionately known as the gown. But it's like a really slick color. It's maroon. It looks really nice. We did a bunch of shots with the knives in it. And uh, yeah, I just did it a little bit for fun. Uh, my social media gal, Christy, I don't know if you ever met Christy. I uh, never does, met her now. She does all my social media. She lives in Greece and she's in New York for one month. So we literally have to shoot all the social media for the coming year all in this month. Oh so she God. can like post it all year, you know? So it's like, oh, I'm going to do, oh, I'll wear the Kung Fu thing. Oh, I'll do this. I'll wear right, that. Right, I'll right. So it's like just, just so that we have lots and lots of stuff for uh for social media for the whole year. But um, yeah, I'll take my lumps on that. Whatever. I just, I saw it. It gave me a good laugh. I was like, Oh, check him <laughs> I out. I figured you were going to say something about that. You, well, the other thing I have to say something about is like you paid money to have that happen to you. That thing on your back. I, <laughs> and, and no, as a matter of fact, want, I didn't, I, I didn't pay any money for it. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Because if you want, I can get a cheese grater <laughs> and just grate the shit out of your skin Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so what Sean is talking about for those of you uh, who don't know, um, yesterday I got a, a type of Chinese medicine treatment called guasa or guasa, and I think that's how you pronounce it in Mandarin. And for anyone who is Chinese, you probably even like your your parents probably did it to you when you were younger. So guasa is is based on the idea that if you have some, let's say you have some. I don't know, for lack of a better term, toxins, or you have something in your bones or in your um, uh, tendons or something like that, 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 that's not, that shouldn't be there. Um, The theory is that by kind of rubbing the skin, you can bring this stuff to the surface and then get rid of it. It's the same idea. uh, Sean, have you seen people who do like the cupping, you know, and then, and then they have the same thing, but it's round. Right. And that's because they're using like a round suction cup, but it's actually the same exact theory that they're kind of like pulling up to the surface all the impurities and stuff like that. So essentially what it does is that it creates like kind of like a bruising and then it's gone after like three days. But on certain areas, it's interesting because they will rub certain areas and certain areas will bruise and certain areas won't. And according to the Chinese theory, the area that's bruising, that's the part that, you know, where something needs to come up. So um, yesterday I had a visitor uh, to my school of a very famous internal martial artist. <laughs> After I said all these great things about internal <laughs> martial arts, uh, I had a, a, he's like a legit internal guy, right? Of course. Uh, not like these Wing Chun guys pretending. Uh, his name is... Uh, um, Jang Ping Chun, and he uh, used to teach in New York, and now I think he lives in uh, California, and he's like a master of baji and also uh, qigong and Chinese medicine. And he came by my school to um, yesterday. Uh, I never met him before. He wanted to bring me some Chinese. He wanted to make tea for me. It was so sweet. Yeah, and, nice. and and he brought me like three or four different Chinese teas to try. One of them was three hundred years old. 
Oh my god! It was wow. and and he brought like a special gold teacup to drink it out of because it made like it was a solid gold teacup. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, and, and of course I'm thinking you walk around New York City with that thing on you, <laughs> like that's right, pretty exactly. brave, right? So um yeah, so we had like we had this really amazing like white tea and red tea and and like the teas that he brought were were really amazing. And then you know we talked and then he just asked me like um and he was very intuitive. He looked at me and he could tell like what my sleeping habits were. He could tell all sorts of things like he was it was really bizarre. Right. And then he asked me if I had any issues. I said, oh, well, my shoulder was bugging me a little bit. And then he goes, oh, well, if you don't mind, I can give you a guasa treatment. And I know what that is. So he went into we went into my office and then he used like kind of like um like an icy hot cream, which he put on my back and he used one of the teacups and he basically grinds the teacup against your skin. And then so the picture you saw was right after it happened. And for those who don't uh, uh, who haven't seen the photo, when it immediately happens, it looks like it looks like you're either a burn victim. Right. It looks nasty, dude. Or or it actually looks like the the top layer of skin is peeled off. It looks like you're looking at raw skin. But actually, there was zero blood in there. All of that was under the skin. So they so so it's like it, it looks like like you said like someone took a cheese grater to my right. back right but actually no blood br- breaks the skin and if you look at it today it's it just looks like a very light bruise like the difference between yesterday and today is amazing so I had that done and then I posted it on Instagram and like the number of people who didn't know what it was some people I thought I got like in a motorcycle accident oh, that's what it looks like. where I was I was like. wearing a T-shirt and I just slid on my back for for forty feet or something. But um, you can look it up, Guasa, like a W or sorry, a G U A S H A. You can look it up on Google and you can see it. And and it's even something you can do yourself. You just put olive oil or some cream and you just take something that's kind of smooth and you can rub it against your skin. And, you know, uh, but probably better if you actually probably know better to have someone do what those hell they're talking about. <laughs> so, Don't yeah, that, 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 that would that's be a really that bad thing. idea to do. That's what that whole thing was about. So for those of you who sent me message expressing concern, everything's okay. I feel great. I felt great after the treatment, during the treatment. Feel super good today. So nothing, nothing to worry about. Yeah, I was saying, wow, man, that that looked really nasty. Look, and and what you just said actually. It's spot on what it looked like. It looked like it fell off a moving motorcycle. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks way. I mean, because it was. It looks. It, it was. Blo- it was blood red, like under my skin. It was blood red. Absolutely. And, and today it just looks like a normal bruise. Um, but yeah, like from from yesterday to like, if you had just seen that yesterday, you would think that I had like some horrific accident. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So you uh, before the podcast, you mentioned something um, about uh, we had talked about titles before Sifu Sihang and stuff like that. But it comes up in Jeet Kune Do of all places. And sometimes it's maybe misused or misunderstood. Right. Or... Recently, I had a phone call with a guy and we were talking about the um, he wanted to talk to me about Wing Chun. How much? Well, I guess the, the, the basis of the conversation was, in my opinion, how much Wing Chun was, should be or or was involved with the creation of, uh, and at the root of Jeet Kune Do. Mm-hmm. And of course, it branched off to that, and he started talking a little bit about Bruce Lee's history, and I remember I was said to him the first thing was that I'm the wrong guy to talk to when it comes to history, because I can barely remember what I did the other day. But, um, <laughs> but there are certain things I do know, and I know that although William Chun and Wong Sheng Lung taught Bruce Lee, they taught Bruce Lee as his Sihings. Yes. Not as his Sifus. At no time, at no time, did Bruce Lee consider Wang Shenglun and William Chun his Sifu. Never. And the gentleman said to me, well, are you saying that Bruce Lee didn't learn from these gentlemen? No. And I'm like, of course I'm not saying that. Of course he learned from them. He goes, Mm -hmm. well, then that makes them his Sifu. Absolutely not. And no, it doesn't. So for, any, for, no one, for, for anyone who's never trained in a, in a martial arts school, the, the instructor, the owner of the school, whatever, the, the head instructor school, that's the Sifu. Okay? He's the Sifu. He's, he's the boss man. He sets the curriculum. He, you know, it's, it's his school. He says, okay, we're going to do these drills tonight. You learn from your, from your other students. Maybe yeah. the Sifu walks around and corrects. He'll take you to the side and help guide you. But your older students are who you learn from. 
You know, it's like my my my, my Sifu Tom Kagan. He was a disciple and student of Grandmaster Moyat, but has told me on numerous occasions, like, oh yeah, I learned most of the Zhang from from this person. I learned, you know, the pole form, most of it from this person, you know. It's he freely says, Oh, I learned a lot from my see mostly everything I learned right. is from your seeings. Right. And and I think JKD people don't get that. That and I and and this is not coming from I shouldn't say this, but some some William Chun and Wong Shalong people may may say it. I shouldn't. But you you don't get this. You don't hear this a lot from Wing Chun people. You hear this from JKD people. Right. That like oh you know, student was a Bruce Lee was a student of Wong Shang Lung or Bruce Lee was a student of William Chung. No, nope, never happened. Right. Right. They were not students of him. Yeah. I'm students yeah. Of him. I, I think I think there's um, yeah. It's interesting because Jeet Kune Do is a is a martial art that um, you know purports to be very modern and essentially uh, um, doesn't care about these things like titles and names and all. I mean, Bruce Lee was very, to a certain degree, very anti that, although he, he did, you know, prefer his students call him Sifu. Wh whether they actually did that or not is another story. But, um, you know, uh, I, I feel that because they technically do a Chinese martial art. I mean, Tsit Kune Do is a Cantonese name, was founded by a Chinese guy, perhaps the most famous of all Chinese martial right. artists to date. Um, but I find that, yeah, they're a bit estranged from the culture of the Chinese martial arts school, whereas Wing Chun people, um, for better or worse, are still kind of in that world, so they often understand that a little bit better than they understand that aspect maybe better than than the Jeet Kune Do people and there there tends to be a confusion um or or I should say maybe a um uh, people think that the term teacher and sifu are uh, interchangeable and um that's actually not the case because Chinese martial arts is as you know as we've discussed before has kind of a family system, right? And right. the head instructor, the person who has adopted you as their student, that person is your Sifu, right? And Sifu means, you know, can mean mentor, Kung Fu father, can mean coach, depending on the context and the vibe of the school. But all Chinese martial, so in Chinese culture, you have only one Sifu. And the caveat to that is within one style. It's possible to have more than one Sifu in different endeavors. For example, you can have a Sifu in martial art and then also a Sifu in music. Right. You see what I mean? And then th those people you would individually simply call Sifu, right? And there's no disrespect to the other one, right? Because you can have Sifus in, in, in various art forms or whatever, right? Um, and occasionally that's even accepted within martial arts. Like you might you do, a, you know, Wing Chun and then maybe you also do Tai Chi for fun, right? So you have a Sifu in Wing Chun, a Sifu for Tai Chi. In the old days, maybe not so much. But nowadays, they, they're a little bit, even in Hong Kong, they, they kind of understand that you might have multiple Sifus, provided it's a different art. Where, right, people, right, get, sure. where people get bent out of shape is when people purport um, either um, truthfully or, 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 or ignorantly that they have more than one Sifu in the same style, like they have multiple Wing Chun Sifus, right? And right. and that is a problem, right? Um, in fact, Leung Ting has always been, uh, has had this issue as well because, uh, as I've discussed many times before, Leung Ting Sifu was Leung Seung, who was Yip Man's first Sifu, right? But Leung Ting later learned privately from Yip Man, and then Leung Ting always called Yip Man his Sigong, but his Sigong was also one of his main teachers. But a lot of people go, oh, see, that means he's not a direct student. But you can you can learn from somebody you're not directly under and you can be directly under somebody that you don't learn from. Right. I mean, right. The fact that someone is your Sifu does doesn't mean anything in terms of who is actually teaching you. Uh, Chinese martial arts history is littered with people who learn very little from their Sifu and learn tons from their Sigong or tons from their Sibak. Or people who learned a lot from their Sifu and nothing from their Sihang. So, so the, 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 you can actually say nothing. If somebody tells you who their Sifu is, it literally tells you nothing. Because you don't know if that person learned from them or learned from someone else. It's just you have but one Sifu, right? And if we look at the case of Yip Man, um, as I mentioned before, Yip Man's Sifu died after Yip Man trained with him for only two years. People forget this all the time. Yip Man started Wing Chun at age 11 under Chan Ma Shun. By age 13, Chan Mashan passed away. So then, Yip, so Yip Man was then taught by his Sihing, Ng Chong So most of what Yip Man learned was from his Sihing. 
So for everyone who wants to be like, oh, I'm a direct disciple of Yip Man, just like he was a direct disciple of his Sifu. Yeah, I got news for you, all right? right Everything exactly. Yip Man learned from his Sifu, he learned between the age of 11 and 13. Do you trust anything you learned between the ages of 11 and 13? Right, I don't exactly. think so. All right? right. So right. like, so this idea of like the Sifu and who your Sifu is being the end-all be-all in terms of your accomplishment in Chinese martial arts, even historically in the so-called traditional days, that wasn't the case. And it sure as hell isn't the case now. But for Jeet Kune Do people who confuse the t title Sifu to be interchangeable or, or to be a generic term for teacher, it can be. It can mean coach. But if you're going to call somebody a Sifu who is not your Sifu, you should use Sifu in their name. So, for example, Sifu Sean, Sifu Mike, Sifu Bill. This is how I, I address Sifus who are not my Sifu, but they are Sifu level and I want to show them respect. Right. But if that person is in my lineage, I call them according to what my familial relationship is with them. So I have tons of Sihings who are also Sifus themselves. But I don't call them Sifu because they're Sifu. They're my elder brother, and they will always be my elder brother. It's like you don't call your older brother dad because he has kids. Right, right. You know exactly. what I mean? So it's like so that relationship you have is based on your Sifu being kind of the father figure and then who started before you and who started after you. Uh, Wong Sun Leung and William Cheung were both Bruce Lee's Si Hengs, and they were responsible for teaching Bruce Lee Wing Chun, for the most part, because Yip Man at the time had some opium issues, had some issues with his so-called Shanghai girlfriend, and uh, wasn't teaching that much himself. So most of the teaching was done by the senior students, which is kind of the way it would have been anyway, even if Yip Man wasn't having problems at that time. So it's natural that Yip Man was taught a lot by his scenes, but that does not mean that they were suddenly his Sifus or that he addressed them as Sifu. That would be super strange, especially considering that William Cheung was, what, like a year and a half older than Bruce Lee. He right. wouldn't I think have, at the time, I, Bruce Lee and William Cheung were like 16 and 17 years old. Yeah, and, and they're both teenagers. That would be completely <laughs> absurd. Besides, you, we know that uh, Bruce Lee had written letters to William Cheung and to Wong Sun Leung. Those letters are often translated into English for Westerners to read. But they were originally written in Chinese, at least the letter to Wong Sun Leung. Because uh, maybe the letter to William Cheung, I think he wrote in English. But the one to Wong Sun Leung was in Chinese because Wong Sun Leung didn't speak English. Right. And I've seen the Chinese letter. And he addresses him as Si Heng <laughs> in right. Chinese. Yeah. So which which is exactly what would be. So so certainly not in Bruce Lee's mind would that would that person be considered um, Sifu, for him, Sifu was Yip Man, even though he didn't maybe didn't learn that much from him, but he would never address anybody else as Sifu. That would literally be sacrilege, you know, within the right, Chinese right, martial right. arts community. And so these um, relationships are are kind of set. They're not like that flexible, right? Which well, I always get spooked out when people call me Sifu, who are not my student or don't even train at my school. Right. They go like, "Oh, so nice to meet you, Sifu." I almost feel like, ugh. If you want to be respectful, then just call me Sifu Alex. But if you call me Sifu, it's actually disrespectful to your own Sifu if you have right, one. Right, sure. Right? And, and and so I always feel like kind of like, ugh, like I'm going to get a hex put on me if some rando <laughs> just simply calls me Sifu. It's like, oh, no, no. You can just call me Sifu Alex or just call me, hey, dude, right? But if you just call me Sifu, I actually feel more awkward than if you didn't call me any, if you didn't address me by anything. No, no, I totally agree. I um oh god I lost my train of thought but uh, so someone sent me something really cool this week and it was about the coolest thing I've ever gotten from somebody I I don't want to share their name because they didn't say whether I can say their name or not so I'm mm -hmm. not gonna do that but someone sent me video about 15 minutes of video of Steve Golden from 40 years ago wow working with Guru Dan. In Asanto, on uh, Bong Sao Lop Sao, and Who Bud, and some stick stuff, and it was so fucking cool to see. Wow, that's amazing! That's it's about amazing. it's 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 forty years old. It's from Guru Dan's backyard, and uh, it's and it's just Steve working some cool shit with them, and it was just just so awesome to see. Oh, that's know? really it's, great! It's 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 amazing when you see those like those old gems, you know, and then you see. Uh, how people have progressed over the years and you also see what things stay the same and you know right sure yeah it was like that. like it was like it was cool because i mean his 
the way he moves now, his arms, I should say. Because you know when you see someone you know like really well, yeah. like his arms are moves. He moves so much differently. But when he was stepping forward, he he had that hip, like he and he still has that hip. Yes. Like where that hip kind of comes first. It was just really, it's it was just so awesome to watch. It That's was, awesome. That's awesome. Well, you also mentioned to me some also about like kind of the titles in Jeet Kune Do. Some JKD people also confuse Sihing and Sifu and and these things as like yeah, titles or these titles. <laughs> Well, that's that's they 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 look at these things these words these familial familial titles as rankings, right? You know, a lot right. of JKD people say like, you know, oh, I got promoted, I got promoted to seeing today. <laughs> like, I don't know what that means, you know. And, no, and maybe that just means that a male student joined after them, right? You know, it's just because <laughs> that's just literally odd. all that takes. Like, I've heard people say like, oh, I I was named Dicey Hing of the school, idiot. And I'm like, okay, you know. You can't but, actually um, be named Dicing of the school. You either are the first one who joined or you're not. Or you're not. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, well, how can you be named Dicing? Either you are the most senior or you're not. And like, but like, and, and then there's, there's this idea of what to call Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. You know, is, do you refer to Bruce Lee as Seagong, even though he is technically not your Seagong? Mm -hmm. You know, like if, um, so like, Bruce Lee would be my Seagong, right? He's my teacher's teacher. Right. But for my students, he would not be Seagong. Right. And so they refer to him as Sijo, as mm -hmm. some like, which has been translated in the JKD community to mean like founder of the system. Uh huh. I don't know what Sijo actually means. Right. But um, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what it means other than because for years in JKD, that's we were just told. Oh, it means, you know, founder of the system. Uh-huh. But um, what, what does Sijo mean? And, and what would, say, like, my students refer to Bruce Lee as? Yeah, well, I mean, this is, this is kind of a tough one because um, um, in, in Chinese martial arts, normally, uh, because Chinese martial arts were not as spread out as they are now um, back in the day. So it was like oftentimes the Sifu of the school was the Sifu for his whole life and his students didn't even really use the term Sifu until their Sifu died and they started teaching, right? So nowadays, right. because we have, uh, you know, we, we have um, streamlined teaching curriculums and stuff like that, we can certify people to teach. And that means that it's possible that multiple generations could exist um, uh, while the original founder is still alive, right? They might right, have sure, sure. students of students of students, and this is something that is a little bit more of a recent phenomenon um, and, and not so much in the old days just because Chinese martial arts were not openly promoted. They were taught a little bit more in secret. So um, for those who don't know, um, I mean, for Wing Chun people, this is kind of par for the course, maybe more for our Jeet Kune Do audience. The Sifu is, you know, the head instructor, the head of the school, your main teacher. Your Sifu's Sifu is Si Gong, which kind of means like Kung Fu Grandpaps, right? Right. Um, the question is always, well, then the Sifu of your Si Gong, what do you call that person? So there are two main ways you can, can call that person. One is Si Zhou, all right? Um, the, the term Zhou means ancestor, all right? And Si can mean teacher, uh, um, so that's why, you know, Si Vu, Si Heng, all these things. Right. There's somewhat kind of a seniority thing involved, although actually you use the same Si even for your Si Dai, for those younger than you, right? But the term by itself could mean something like teacher, right? So you have your uh, paternal teacher, Si Vu, your grandfatherly teacher, Si Gong, and your ancestor teacher, Si Zhou. All right. So normally the teacher of Sigong is the Sijo, right? However, sometimes people uh, mistakenly confuse that to mean founder. Now, here's the thing. It's possible that your Sijo is the founder of the style. So let's say, for example, if you are a student of a student of Guru Dan, all right? then maybe you call, or, or maybe you're Guru Dan's, you know, you're a student of a student of Guru Dan, you call Bruce Lee C. Joe, right? Right. Um, but Bruce Lee also happens to be the founder of Jeet Kune Do. 
So, so it's like it, it, it's like it happens to be that many C Joes are also the founder of the style because they've gone so far back. But the term in and of itself does not mean founder. Usually, and and I'll, I'll, this is kind of weird, the founder of a style, you have to flip the terms the other way around. Joe C. It oh, means really? the ancest the the uh, the ancestral teacher. It's 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 the same character as C Joe. You just flip the t- the order and you go Joe C means. Never heard that before. Yes, right. So sometimes, like for example, Moy the nun is called Joe C, right? Like like the ancestral founder, right? So that's I think where people get a little bit confused because the characters could technically mean the same, but you have to flip it. And it's also possible that your C Joe is also the founder of the style because you've gone far enough back. But of course, styles that have multiple generations like Wing Chun, your C Joe is not the founder, right? And then who knows, the student of a student of a student of Guru Dan still would not call Bruce Lee C Joe and C Joe would not mean founder, right? So the the other term you can use for instead of C Joe, for the teacher of your Gong, you could say si tai gong. That's tai another gong. another one you can use, right? And then you can use that a little bit more generically for all those generations above your Gong. You could say si tai gong, si tai gong, si tai. You could name them all si tai gong, right? Uh, right? You know, if it just if your generations just go so so deep, right? But of course. Um, as, as with everything Chinese, uh, rules are meant to be broken. Specific schools sometimes have their own rules in terms of terminology and who you call what. So, you know, I could be saying this and for sure they may be Chinese instructors listening to the podcast who may disagree with me and that's totally fine. Within certain lineages and schools, there are going to be different ways of doing it, right? Um, but uh, that uh, these are not ranks. These are familial distinctions. Basically, everyone who is called Sigong or Sijo or Si Tai Gong is actually just a Sifu. Mm, it's just right. how many generations back is that Sifu, right? It's not a it's not an upgrade in rank. It's just it's a familial distinction, you know? Right. And right, so right. and so that's all that is, right? And and uh, Si Heng just means anybody, any male student that started before you, they may or may not be an instructor. If they started one day before you there, you're Si Heng. So now there's people training at City Wing Chun, mm-hmm. where you're the Gong. Yeah, which right? makes me feel old as hell. <laughs> well, you're starting to look it. <laughs> Good, thanks. Because who's the Sifu of the school? So um, my uh, one of my senior students, uh, Sifu Craig Savino, he's the head instructor of my New York brand. So I'm the chief instructor of my association, right. but I only teach instructors now. I, I, I uh, The only beginners I teach are private students. Like if people want to learn from me, in my school, they have to do a private lesson. But if, if someone comes in off the street and wants to learn from me, they can. They just got to do it privately. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I thought a few years ago when uh, Craig was teaching all the classes, I was just teaching the, the instructors. I thought it was kind of weird that people were joining my school. They would call me Sifu, but I wasn't teaching them at all. And not in the traditional way where, like, I was there right. in the room, but the seeing was teaching them. Like, I'm not even in the room with them. I'm in another room teaching another group of people. And I didn't want people to feel that they didn't have a relationship with their Sifu. I just felt like, you know, I can create the culture of the school that I want. And I want my students to know their Sifu and to learn from their Sifu, right? Right. So I said, Craig was already a Sifu at that time. He just wasn't the Sifu to the students who were joining. And so I said, Craig, I'm going to make you the Sifu of the students who join after this date. I think we did it somewhere in 2016 maybe so everyone who joined my school after 2016 they call craig sifu and then they call me sigong right and then um but i feel better with that because they're learning from him and they know their sifu they're close to right, him. and then sure, my old right. generation they, they learn there's from a me relationship and, there yeah and my school is not like like the people who are my direct toe dies they're not like oh i'm a direct toe die and you're a grand student that culture doesn't exist in my school now I have tons of grand students who are in my instructor class and I teach them exactly the same as I would teach my toe dies. And I right. have some grand students 
who uh, have surpassed some of my toe dyes because they put in the work and they put in the time. I don't have this thing where I go like, oh, well, that's a grand student. I got to teach them differently. Right, because right, right, that's right. what makes Kung Fu schools fail. It's that stupid attitude. If someone is qualified to be in my class, then they deserve my full attention. And I sure, don't teach sure. people half-ass. If I'm going to teach somebody half-ass, I'd rather not teach them. So, um, so yeah, we have like two generations in City Wing Chun, but in terms of the camaraderie, that doesn't exist at all. Everyone is the same in my eyes. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I just I've, I've heard you make reference to that before, and we never. I don't think we've ever like spoke it out on the on the podcast. Right, right. And right. it's an inter- it's, It is an interesting situation. By the way, I just got a uh, message from our producer, John. Yes. That Dana White just tweeted out and confirmed that it's going to be Weidman versus. Souza, it's one hundred percent. That's oh, good, that's the good, fight good. Now. Well, that's great. So it's still that's gonna great. be a good, still gonna be a good night of fights because I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the Cormier fight. I really am. I, I think and, that's gonna be a legit fight. I mean, and this is the, and this is the next uh, numbered card. This is two thirty, at uh, the one two, at New York. Oh, so it is York. the next one because we just had two twenty nine. Well, Cormier is fighting pretty. Well, when I guess that was June or July when Cormier got the heavyweight title. Yeah, I guess. But Derek yeah. Lewis just fought. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right? Derek Lewis just fought. So I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And he doesn't look like a cardio machine. So I'm I'm, I'm actually impressed that he's fighting, you know, so quickly. I hope I hope that he is, uh, um, you know, I, I hope that he's been doing nothing but cardio since his last fight. Because <laughs> he was not he's a probably, cardio machine. He's, he's probably still tuned up in, term, in terms of all the training that he's done. He's got to make some adjustments in sparring for Cormier's style. But if I were him, I'd be, I'd be on the Dynaglide and the Concept Two <laughs> rower like every day, putting in those rounds, man. Because uh, Cormier's a grinder. Oh yeah, no, I mean Cormier's the real deal. I'm, I'm absolutely a fan. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I become a fan like of, it, it's, it's funny because like, like I'll, you know, my son and I watch uh, producer John and I watch a lot of the fights. <laughs> Got to keep um, appearances. Yeah, you know, and um, it's like you find yourself like, oh wow, I really like this guy. Like, I, like I just, I love, and I know people hate him. It's fine. Like, I think Dillashaw is just awesome. I love I've Dillashaw. A, yeah, I think Dillashaw. I've become like this huge fan of Dillashaw, of you know, of DC Comier. I'm a huge fan of Comier, and we everybody knows that me and you are both ridiculous fans of uh, Connor. Yes. Who, by the way, awesome. He did a great thing. Um, you know, he has that whiskey out now, Proper 12. Yes. Which my son, I mean, producer John, just, just bought a bottle. Yeah, one of my students bought a bottle and drank it. And he was like, this stuff's great. And he goes, <laughs> uh, but he's not a Connor fan. He goes, oh, I'm toasting to Khabib's victory, but this is really good stuff. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so uh, John just told me before that um, Connor was up in Boston, I'm sure, pro- you know, promoting uh, Proper 12. Yeah, and he he went into a firehouse and he gave the ten firemen there tickets to the World Series. Oh, really? Boston just made the World Series, and somehow Connor's going to be paying for their tickets. Oh, wow! For 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 ten firemen to go see the World Series. Oh, that's, that's great, pre- man. That's that's, that's pretty damn cool, you know. It's yeah. uh, and I and I think it's I think John said that five dollars from every bottle of Proper Twelve that's sold. Yeah goes to support for first responders oh wow that's amazing so you know even even for you connor haters out there you know step up and buy a bottle to help uh support first responders that's a cool thing absolutely yeah yeah cool man it was a lot of fun tonight dude yeah this was a lot of fun i look forward to it so wait when is that when is that next card is that like next week or is that in a couple weeks when is 230 i don't know when is 230 let me check let me check with the producer. Who's, yeah, if possible, who's, maybe maybe we have a maybe we have a UFC party or something like that, and y'all come I'll come over to Staten Island. We'll watch the UFC. November third. Oh, November third. Yeah, that could totally work, man. Yeah, we'll see. We'll talk about it. That awesome. Have, all right. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about it off the podcast, and we'll see. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody, take care. We'll see you next week. Be good, everybody. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. 
Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!